Exodus 19. The law is about to be given to Moses and Israel. The law will be the governing, correcting standard in the Jews' life in Israel from that day until today. For Israel, as a people, as a nation, knows not the grace of God expressed to us through the new covenant of Jesus upon the cross. Israel, as a people, as a whole, have rejected their Messiah. They've rejected the work of Jesus, the work of redeeming us on the cross. And therein lies the grace of God, the most cherished attribute of God towards man, the core, the center of our basic Christianity is non-existent to the Jew. So as we look back at the giving of the law, and we'll, we're starting into that, no one understand the majority of the Jewish people are still at the foot of Mount Sinai, still trying to work out their salvation under the law, under the system of sacrifice. About 2,000 years ago in 70 AD, their temple was destroyed. The Jewish temple was. And for 2,000 years, the Jew have not had sacrifice. And so they do a tap dance around how they get Forgiveness of sins. It's, it's nearing. Yom Kippur is, is within a few days now. And what they do at the end of the year, the Day of Atonement, they weigh their behavior over the year, and if they did more good works than bad works, they're all right with God. But that is not even according to their own religious system because their system requires sacrifice the shed of an animal's blood to cover their sins but the prohibitions of the law have become a monumental thing to the Jewish people and there are volumes of books spelling out the law but the study of the law by a Christian should bring about a grateful heart. It should bring us to the foot of the cross, not Mount Sinai that we're going to look at this morning. Because at the cross, grace was poured out through the precious blood of Jesus. Amen. So let's jump into Exodus 19, and we'll look at the first eight verses here. In the third month after the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on the same day they came to the wilderness of Sinai. For they had departed from Rephium and had come to the wilderness of Sinai and had camped in the wilderness. So Israel camped there before the mountain. And Moses went up to God and the Lord called to him from the mountain saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the children of Israel, 
You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I bore you on eagle wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. So Moses came and he called for the elders of the people, and he laid before them all these words which the Lord commanded him. Then all the people answered and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. So Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. Israel has been out in the wilderness for three months now. Now they are camped at the foot of Mount Sinai, the mountain uh, where the Mosaic law will be given. And they will be there for about a year. Verse 3, God calls out to Moses and he says, tell Jacob, Tell Israel God's way of inter including all of the people, Jacob and Israel. When my mother would use my full name as a child, I knew it was my best interest to listen to her. Howard Don Hawkins, that was me. And I would say, What's up? <laughs> And I was usually in trouble when my mother would call out my full name. And God calls out Jacob and Israel, the same, same, but he wants to make sure everybody's listening. Verse 4 and 5, God gives a little reminder to Israel. Remember what I did for you to Egypt. Remember how I delivered you on eagle wings, and Mike talked about those eagle wings. Same eagle, no. <laughs> uh, brought you out of Egypt so you could be my special treasure to be a people of God above all other people. And on the surface, that sounds really exclusive, doesn't it? Because it is. <laughs> the Jews are God's people. God has selected, he has chosen Israel as a people unto himself. But don't feel left out. As Christians, we are also chosen by God. God's showing us special love by choosing us. But with that choosing comes a special responsibility. Israel is to be a kingdom of priests unto God. Now, a priest's duties included representing God to the people and the people to God. And the, uh, a priest is to make intercession for the people to God. God has called Moses the prophet and priest, telling him, declare to the people. I'm going to give you my words, Moses. You proclaim them to the people. God requires Israel, this undisciplined bunch of rebels who have just come out of Egypt, you're to be a holy nation. You are to be a kingdom of priests. Consider that. Our nation was founded 
by a group of godly men. Go back and study our history. It was Christian men that God moved on to write our constitution and so forth. And he has called us as Americans to be a nation of priests, just like Israel. We are not free from worship of the living God, but we are free to worship the living God. That was the intent of our founding fathers, freedom to worship, not from worship. As Christians, we are to represent God to our neighbors, to our family, to our co-workers. All that we come in contact with, our first responsibility is to share the living God with them. We're told we're to be salt. What does salt do? Salt makes you thirsty. We're to make people thirsty for the living God. We're to be a light in a dark place. In this dark, sinful world, we're to be light. Do not allow anything to silence you as a Christian witness for God. Don't allow anything to do that. Satan has plotted, he has planned to keep Christians ineffective and silent. Silent against his kingdom. And he's been very successful. For here in America, we're not allowed to talk about God, especially Jesus, at school or in many workplaces. You, you don't dare mention what you believe. It's grounds for dismissal if you talk about Jesus. Chaplains in the military, many are not allowed to even pray in the name of Jesus, even though they're chaplains. I have a question. Where are the Shadrach, Meshachs, and Abednegoes? Where are they? These young Jewish men were threatened to be thrown into a fiery furnace because they made the king angry because they wouldn't bow down and worship him. As Christian believers, we're called to be priests of God. We are to represent the living God to the world. First and foremost, and number one responsibility upon us as Christians. But back to Moses. He is faithful, verse 7, to give the people all the words of God. Words that God has suggested, no words that God commanded and the people respond they have a response to Moses and they say all the Lord has spoken we will do ah good good for Israel as a priest Moses takes these words brings them to God Moses taking his responsibility as a priest in a very serious way so let's look at verses 9 through 25 now. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I come to you in a thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with you and believe you forever. So Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes and let them be ready on the third day. From the third day the Lord will come down upon Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. 
And you shall set bounds for the people all around, saying, Take heed to yourself that you do not go to the mountain or touch its base. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. Not a hand shall touch him, but he shall be surely stoned or shot with an arrow. Whether man or beast, he shall not live. And when the trumpet sounds long, they shall come near the mountain. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and sanctified the people, and they washed their clothes. That's a good thing. <laughs> and, and he said to the people, Be ready for the third day. Do not come near your wives. Then it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there was a thundering and lightning and a thick cloud on the mountain, and the sound of the trumpet was very loud, so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in a fire. Its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain quaked greatly. And when the blast of the trumpet sounded long and became louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him by voice. Then the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. And the Lord said to Moses, Go down and warn the people, lest they break through so to gaze at the Lord, and many of them will perish. Also let the priests who came near the Lord consecrate themselves, lest the Lord break out against them. But Moses said to the Lord, The people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for you warned us, saying, Set bounds around the mountain and consecrate it. Then the Lord said to him, Away, get down, and then come up, and Aaron with you. But do not let the priests and the people break through to come up to the Lord, lest he break out against them. So Moses went down to the people, and he spoke to them. What a scene. A very terrifying, frightening scene. Verse 9, God comes to Moses, and he comes to him in a thick cloud, so the people can hear God speak. Speak to Moses, and the voice of God causes the people to believe what Moses said to them. The whole congregation of Israel hears God speak to Moses. What if you heard God speak to me? Hmm? <laughs> what if I heard God speak to me? You know, I'm sure of this one thing. God spoke in the voice like James Earl Jones. No question in my mind about that. <laughs> He spoke in a deep, baritone, baritone voice. And that's how we, that's how I imagine God speaking. But this is God's way to authenticate his prophet Moses before the people. He wants the people to realize Moses is his man over them. Clouds in Scripture represent God's presence. A cloud leads Israel out in the wilderness by day. A cloud is hovering over Mount Sinai. When Jesus ascended after his resurrection, it was into the clouds. John, in the book of Revelation, speaks of Jesus sitting on white clouds. 
So the next time you see a big thunderstorm cloud roll in, realize that's God's presence. <laughs> and that it is. Aaron Libby just got back from Barang. Barang, wherever. And he tells me that there are no clouds there. <laughs> so I said, well, it must be a godless nation. <laughs> no clouds? That's an easy one. But before the people come to the mountain of God, there are several requirements of them. Moses, you're to sanctify them. You're to consecrate them to God, and they are to wash their clothes. And on the third day, God will come down upon the Mount Sinai, and he will do it in the sight of all the people. This is not an enormous mountain that you can't see the peaks of. It's a mountain we would call it probably a real big hill <laughs> where you could see the top and the people see the cloud come down and they see God descend to the mountain. God has demanded that the people stay back from the base of the mountain, not to even touch or come near, lest they die. And in our reading in Hebrews uh, 12, 18 through 24, it appears that some of these people broke through, touched the mountain, and they died. They had to pay with their life for the disobedience unto God's word. I'm so glad for grace. Grace covers my willful disobedience and my not-so-willful disobedience. Without grace, my destruction would have been <laughs> my sentence long ago. And you too. We're grateful for grace. Verse 16, it tells us the terror and the fear that came upon them out of this thick cloud as God settled on Mount Sinai thunderings, lightnings. And we know what that is all about here in the South. <laughs> we know about thunderstorms, and they can roll in, and they can be very frightening, especially if you're like me and you like to sit on your porch and watch them roll in. I enjoy watching those. I just get a little afraid. A surprise lightning strike nearby can make you realize instantly how small you are. Now, there's thunder, there's lightning there, and that's severe enough. But then we have the trumpet of God, and it's sounding, and it makes all of the camp of Israel tremble. Now, I've been scared by storms. But only once have I been scared to the point of trembling. And I was standing in my garage, I've told the story, and lightning struck, and you know, you can hear it go boom, and it was real close. <laughs> I'm almost like running around, you know, what do I do? Where do I go? You know, I wasn't exactly trembling, but I didn't know where I was going or what I was doing because it was that close. And it had struck a tree just outside of my garage. And that can be very terrifying. But to tremble, you're beginning to lose body functions, like your legs won't hold you up, that kind of tremble. 
and that is not a good thing. But can you imagine the sound? Our ears tell us of supernatural events of God, and this trumpet is blaring. Several years back, at uh, the biggest sporting events in our world, soccer games, by the way, in Europe and South America, the spectators, the fans, would bring their little plastic horns. You remember that? And it got so loud, it got so bad that they had to ban bringing your little plastic horn to the soccer meets. This blaring sound was well over 120 decibels. That's ear damage decibels. When you get up that high, you're damaging your ears. And you're doing permanent damage to ears. So I ask you, how loud was this trumpet there at Mount Sinai that caused the people to tremble? It was very loud. The trumpet of God sounding will be the last thing that we as a people here on earth hear before God raptures his church. It will be a trumpet sound. First Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17. You might want to turn there or I will read it to you. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. A shout, the voice of an archangel, and then the trumpet of God. That trumpet will be so loud that the dead in Christ will rise. And we who are alive and remain shall be caught up. Can you say rapture? Some people say, well, the Bible doesn't teach rapture. Caught up, rapture, same, same. The Apostle Paul, he introduces this passage of the rapture with, I do not want you to be ignorant brethren about those who have died and who are still, and we who are still alive will be caught up together with the saints. The saints that will be rising from the grave to meet Jesus in the air, and we will join them, and that is the rapture, and that is a truth. Chuck Smith's daughter and her husband, who is a pastor and who took over for Chuck, they had just viewed the movie Left Behind. She has a sense of humor. She thought it would be funny if she took off her bedclothes and laid them in bed next to her husband and go outside the house and blow a trumpet. <laughs> and she did this. And he tells how frightened he was. <laughs> I'm glad Lori doesn't like practical jokes, you know what I mean? What's your first thought? Man, I've missed. <laughs> I missed the rapture. <laughs> but anyway, back to Mount Sinai. 
Moses is called by God to the top of the mountain. And then he says, Moses, go back down. Don't allow the people to break through. Don't allow them to gaze at the Lord. Because if they do, many are going to die. God also declares, be careful, you priest, lest the Lord also break out against you. To be near God is a very fearful thing. And God doesn't want to kill his own people for their curiosity. Verse 24, away, Moses, don't delay. This is life and death for the people. But you and Aaron, your brother, you come back up after you've warned the people. And then we have God giving the Ten Commandments. It's a good thing, though, for us when we look back to compare Mount Sinai, where the law was given, to Mount Calvary or Zion, where grace is given. At Sinai, there was fear and terror, tremendous fear, trembling fear. At Zion, at Calvary, love and forgiveness. At Sinai, Moses alone meets with God. At Calvary, all are welcome. Sinai, Moses is the mediator between God and man. At Calvary, Jesus is the mediator. At Sinai, blood of animals are shed. At Calvary, Jesus' blood is shed. At Sinai, the law was commanded to the people. At Calvary, we receive love and grace. And as we look upon the law, and as we look upon the severity of the law, the law should create in believers a tremendous appreciation for grace. Grace. Unmerited favor. God reaching out to man. Makes me want to pray for the Jewish people. They're still under the law. Thank you, God, for the cross and grace. Amen. Amen. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer. If you're here and you haven't experienced the grace of God, there'll be people in the prayer area who would love to pray with you about receiving Jesus as your Savior and receiving grace. Amen. Amen. Father God, thank you that you brought us out of the law. Thank you for grace. Lord, we will forever give you praise and thanks for grace. For you looked upon us while we were yet in sin, and you loved us, and you gave us grace. While we were sinners, you died for us, Jesus, and we thank you for that. We will always thank you for that, that, that loving of us while we were so opposed to you. But now that we know you, Lord, let us live for you. Let us be that priest that one who proclaims the goodness of God to anyone who will listen. Help us to be bold that way, Lord. Help us to use wisdom where and when and how we share your love. 
But Lord, don't let us be silent. Don't let us be timid or shy about sharing the good news of you, Jesus. We pray for this. We ask for this in your name, Jesus. Amen.